0: The Aboriginal peoples of the Kulin Nations are the traditional custodians of the lands now named City of Greater Dandenong. We acknowledge, recognise and respect elders past, present and emerging and their continuing connections to climate, culture and country.
1: podcast books events and conversations with the team at greater dandenong libraries i'm mina and in this episode lee and i talk about salt fat acid heat by samin Nosrat. Trent interviews our new children and youth services librarian sarah susie curates a book match list for a patron that enjoys suspense thrillers fantasy adventure crime and mystery genres emma gives us a programs update Fiona reviews the movie Mary Shelley, and Lauren reviews Why, The Last Man, a graphic novel series by Brian K. Vaughan. Check out the show notes on the website to find links to everything we talk about in this week's episode. Hi, everyone. My name's Mina, and today I'll be talking with Lee about Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, a cookbook by Samin Nosrat. Hi, Lee. How's it going?
2: Good. How are you doing, Mina? Yeah,
1: pretty good. Can you tell us a little bit about the book?
2: Yeah, I'm super excited to be talking about this book. So the byline of Samin's book is Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking. Mm. Samin, uh, she is she's a really wonderful um, writer and character. There's um, a few interviews with her where she says that she's Iranian by blood but Italian by spirits. Mm-hmm. She lives in the U.S. and has spent her career kind of hopping in between different jobs. She worked at a pretty iconic Californian restaurant called Chez Panisse, and she started there just by vacuuming the floors. And she really signed up just because she loves the restaurant. Not that she had um, aspirations of being a chef. She just wanted to be involved in, in what they offered. She's told stories and interviews of her, um, saving for seven months to go to this shape in restaurants because fine dining and out of her budget in a, with the line of work that she's doing. And she kind of worked her way up through that and, um, started to latch on to these, these elements of cooking that she would recognize and she's incredibly passionate and loves to make, loves to make cooking accessible for people.
3: Mm.
2: And so she started to see these elements of salt, fat, acid, and heat as to being really important to, to balancing a, a great meal. And if, um, you know, if a certain meal is missing a form of acid, then it's lacking overall. So we'll get into it in more detail, but this is her first ever book. And it's, it's thick, it's, it's a good 500 page book mm. where she will um, break down these different elements um and so that's why I recommended it I I just I love the book
1: yeah it's fantastic it's really wonderful most cookbooks um that I have recipes that instruct you on how to make something but Samin's book tells you why to do it all about the chemical reactions involved and then so that you can then use those techniques in your own creations which is I think why it's become such a massive hit because I think it's I think it won an award and it's been like a New York Times bestseller or something like that um and I think on the front of the book it says it's my Jella Lawson calls it a masterpiece so it's you know it's it's on most most books uh bookshelves and um for very good reason
2: yeah and I I think it's I think what's really resonated with people is The accessibility of it, even if you take the instance where most cookbooks that we see are super glossy and super beautiful and Mm. the photos are impeccable and the food looks amazing, Samin hasn't included a single photograph in the book.
1: I hadn't even thought about that. That's such a good point, yeah. There,
2: There are some illustrations in there. There's some charts. Um... There's, like, these kind of just, like, silly little um, illustrated jokes that she makes, but the reason behind that is she wants to show you that food doesn't need to look a certain way to be amazing. Mm. Like, you you can follow all the steps and still, because of lighting and because of, you know, food styling, your food isn't going to look like no, it looks in amazing cookbooks um it's going to look like your creation
1: it's right
2: yeah yeah it's it's nice that she hasn't you know set this standard of you know your food needs to be here it's Mm. you get the sense from her writing that um she wants you to just try and to keep trying and just keep
1: improving and then share with people. That's about so much about her uh, cooking style as well is that sharing with neighbors and family and yeah, sharing recipes and food. Yeah, it's wonderful. She also gives fantastic solutions for common kitchen mishaps and kitchen struggles, you know, that probably most people have had. So with the fat, it's the broken mayo and how to how to solve the break, broken mayonnaise situation and, you know, the old beans and leg- legumes, the dried beans and legumes, cooking them. I mean, I'm a vegetarian and I've cooked, you know, probably thousands of kilos of beans and legumes, and yet I still, you know, have this, have a bit of a, oh, God, is it going to go right this time? How long do I just soak it for beforehand? That sort of thing. Can I mix it with salt? Some people tell you, don't ever put salt in it. Um, and she gives this wonderful description of how, uh, you know, fail-safe beans and legumes. It's just wonderful. So it just means that you can go out and create your own masterpieces without with, with with little techniques and um, with a bit more security, like confidence, I guess. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I, I think the whole idea behind the book is just empowering you to not um, look up a recipe but rather just to open your cupboard and say, okay, what do I have? Yeah. I can make something out of this using those those four elements.
1: That's right. I, mean, I identify those those four elements, um, looking at your cupboard and then go, okay, I need one of those, one of those, one of those, or maybe a few if I've got them, and then I can make something wonderful out of whatever there is, Yeah. As in a lot of recipe books, Samin shares her cultural and culinary background and also her food epiphanies that she had particularly while working at Chez Panisse and in her formative cooking years. Also her food memories and what she does so well in this book is all those stories, even with all those stories there and those um, moments that she shares, there's a space that she leaves the reader to create with her own techniques, as we were saying, and leads you to your own epiphanies. And I think it sort of reminded me of things that I kind of had realised but hadn't been able to articulate really. It was like knowledge that I had but hadn't been able to articulate. So I was having little memories of when a friend of mine made me a vegetarian bolognese and I was blown away by how good it was because that's often something that can be pretty bland And she said the secret was um, balsamic vinegar. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I knew that that worked worked and that that was what that needed. But in my head I hadn't gone, oh, that's an acid and it needed to go into that dish. And so this book really was able to articulate some of those, you know, those moments and memories and things that you have around food, which is another reason I think it's just wonderful.
2: It's exactly right. And then on the flip side, it makes me think of kitchen disasters and – this book has just explained what went wrong and why Mm -hmm. i always was um for example with salt why i was always so against my parents boiling vegetables as a child Mm. and because i was just (laughs) like oh my god this is disgusting (laughs) um and then i remember going to a friend's house and having like roasted broccoli and being like this cannot be the same vegetables.
3: Vegetable, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But yes. it would all just
2: be because um, you know. So, so often, my parents would 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 boil the vegetables without using any salt, and mm. as Samin explains, when you are when you are boiling vegetables and the water's unseasoned, the food, whether it's like a, green bean, uh, which is the one she uses as an example, Mm. will sense that the water is unsalted and will send out its own minerals to try and establish like an equilibrium.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And when you properly season the water, it doesn't need to do that.
1: That's right. Yeah
2: ends up tasting more like itself, more like a green bean. because Yeah, salt
1: in the water. <laughs> and it's so wonderful. Yeah, what a moment <laughs> to those <Yeah>. <laughs> things. I think as well because the way she describes, you know, the way she uses handfuls of salt in the water for, for green beans or broccoli or whatever, but saying that, that not all that salt gets gets absorbed by the vegetable. You don't end up eating all that salt. That's not what no, you're right. going to ingest. It's just there to, like you say, enhance that vegetable's flavour. And and so people, I think, have have been under the, the mistaken idea that you're going to end up ingesting all of that salt and it's going to be really bad for you.
4: But yeah. it's, that's not
1: what it's doing at all. So this, yeah, this book just turns around a lot of that mythology that we've all had around cooking and we just pick up from probably mostly from our parents and then friends and, yeah, I guess just um, – lot of assumptions we make as well
2: and even the um like I very much grew up with the idea that salt equals you know bad yeah it's it's so bad for you so of course you should never touch any salt but salt naturally occurs in so many so many different things that's right yeah you know different meats parmesan anchovies garlic different sauces I mean salt is much more than the thing that's on the table that you add at the end of the meal that's
1: it yeah yeah and it just enhances the pleasure of eating so it's for that reason alone is it's a wonderful thing
2: I, i think that's that's one of the things i really enjoy about samin's writing is that you really get a sense of how much joy she feels when talking about food mm. and when talking about cooking and just and, and getting the most out of your ingredients.
1: She also, speaking about her enthusiasm and her character, she also does a, a podcast with um, the host of the podcast Song Exploder, his name's Rishi and you would have to forgive me for not remembering his full name right now but he um but they have this wonderful podcast called Home Cooking which you and my sister sort of put me onto actually and they started that during the first lockdowns in America last year in March in March 2020 and they and they have a wonderful connection, the two the two of them. They're really good friends, so they have that fabulous rapport. And they laugh, and she laughs hysterically about everything, which I just love. And like you were saying, he's got he has all these terrible food puns, which he just peppers throughout the um, the, the shows, and which she's always just sort of giving him hell for, which is just wonderful. Um, and uh, they take questions from from listeners, and they. listeners who are locked down with uh, maybe you know three kilos of zucchinis or way too many tomatoes (laughs) or whatever it is or trying to find um how to make their grandmothers pull apart bread they've got the recipe but they don't have the amounts or the method and that sort of thing so she solves all these problems for people and um, gives them recipe tips for all their lockdown problems Um, and yeah her 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 passion for food just comes through incredibly, and especially for sharing that with other people, um, it's just wonderful. I highly recommend that to everybody. It's called home cooking. If you want to look that up as well,
2: and just even for Horishi's puns, it's worth listening to. I mean, it's, yes, um, <laughs> it's. I've it's, thoroughly enjoyed listening to it while, yeah, we are all in lockdown last year. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite infectious her her passion yeah absolutely it it makes you want to be a better cook and it's there's just no ego involved. that's right
5: exactly that's that's so true
1: without that ego it really does help you it is inspire that confidence in you you don't have to live up to anything it's just the experimentation that we're that we're going for which is wonderful um speaking of which a couple of things that came up in their podcast i'm not sure if they're in the book but they're all um well they're both um they're both ideas you know that use the salt fat acid heat she was talking about how to up your popcorn game when you're at home like making popcorn from scratch so popcorn kernels and I've always a weird relationship with popcorn but for some reason there's a couple of things I can't cook like I can cook I've worked in restaurants like a couple of things that just never go right for me and one of them is popcorn it always just burns. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why that happens to me. I, well, I do now, actually, some Min fix that for me. But also, are these, um, hey.
2: Are these like the the microwave packets? No, no, just
1: corn kernels, oh, like, like, yeah, yeah with, okay. with some. And usually I, use, I used olive oil in a frying pan, you know, with a lid. Um, and, yeah, it just it was one of those things. I was like, well, I hope this goes well. Don't know what I am really am doing, you know, and it should be so simple. Um and she said use coconut oil it's just a better oil to use at that heat so yes well done that was that worked and it tastes fantastic and also to use some nutritional yeast flakes which is if you're vegan you'll definitely know what they are um they're very high in b vitamins they kind of have a cheesy umami flavor um and then and then with salt as well and Oh, they were so amazing. That popcorn was incredible. It was like fluffy and didn't burn at all. And I was like, oh, this is just fantastic. And because I was listening to her during um, the beginning of our little five day lockdown just recently, I was just sort of pottering around in the kitchen. So I also made um, a soup, really simple soup, as she talked about as well, which was just peas, tahini for the fat coriander salt and pepper and a bit of lime and you just you just put it in the um in a pot and then you blend it oh that was fantastic so anyway they're my two <laughs> adventures with Samin's recipes
2: so I suppose we should talk about the the, the format of the book it mm. starts with the four chapters of salt fat acid and heats and then after that it gives you um the rest of the half of the book is uh certain recipes and certain uh cooking methods and techniques that that complement those four chapters Mm. but i would say that there's almost just like there's almost just like a thousand recipes in Mm. this book Mm. and it's not expecting you to kind of go through and cook them all but there's so many variations and even in the earlier chapters there would be you know, how to make mayonnaise and
1: yeah,
2: um, how to properly uh, like blanch ingredients and
1: that's right. How to dice an onion, how to cube and slice and all sorts of things as well. Those kinds of techniques as well.
2: And the, 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 there is a part in the book where she um, has made this wonderful chart that is like what should I cook tonight Hmm. and the first question is have you read the entirety of this book (laughs) and if if you choose no it just it's like that's the dead end
1: (laughs) the choose your own adventure that part where you just die that's that's yeah
2: yeah. exactly it's (laughs) like you. You can't skip on this. You, you yeah. do need to to go through it to get an <laughs> overall idea. And you're kind of set, I don't want to say for life, but you, you are set to really equip yourself in, oh, the, yeah. in the kitchen.
1: Definitely. It's got to be one of those books that you could give to anybody, no matter their level of, the cooking level they're at. And especially, and a beginner, it would just be fantastic. Someone who's just moved out of home, or um, yeah. well, don't buy it for them. Borrow it from the library. Definitely, but you know, yeah, 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 but um, but definitely, I reckon anyone would get anything out of it, and yeah, even the um, the most beginnery of cooks, um, would definitely get something out of it.
2: I would say borrow it from the library, Mm. and then really connect with it. Go Mm. and buy it, just so you can uh, rip out these wonderful little charts
3: yeah
2: the the wheels Uh, yeah oh the wheels
1: so
2: so there are i think there's two wheels and what they call uh the world of fats or the world of acids kind of the inside of the wheel is different continents it then expands out to different countries and then in the terms of fats it will talk about okay if you are going to cook something Brazilian, for example, Mm. maybe don't look at using olive oil, use palm oil, neutral oil, Mm. olive oil, lard. If you're looking instead for doing something more French, look at using butter, olive oil, lard and cream as your fats. Um, And it does the same thing for acid. And it just, those little lessons along the way, I, I, I remember horrible times when I would try and, like, cook Thai food and all I had was olive oil. And <laughs> it's like something's not quite right. <laughs> um,
3: yeah.
2: And, yeah. you know, I, I skipped over the part of the recipe where it said use vegetable oil. But, I'd be like, oil's all the same. And yeah, olives are a sort of a vegetable, good. yeah. 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 So I suppose to summarise, um What kind of person do you think would enjoy salt, fat, acid, heat?
1: Ah, well, sort of anyone. I would recommend it to anyone. But beginner cooks, certainly, who want to learn about techniques. I mean, if you were learning how to cook and you got all these techniques, um, learn how to use those elements in the beginning, you're off to a flying start. People who have just moved out of home, for instance. Um, anyone who's interested in chemistry or the chemistry of cooking, I'm thinking like kids as well, kids who are learning how to cook, they can really, they can really learn why they're doing it as, as they go, which just creates so much more of a connection to the food. Uh, people in isolation, for sure, because you can go deep yeah. in this book. And then you can also follow up with the Netflix show and the podcast. Um And, yeah, anyone who's in food, I think, just it's a masterpiece and I think a complete joy to read. I would recommend it to anybody.
2: It is almost like a bit of a cop-out to say, I recommend it to everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. but it's true (laughs) in this case,
1: Lee. It's true. It is true. And
2: (laughs) I would also recommend it to people, um, and we all have these people in our life who are like, oh, I can't cook.
3: Yeah. Oh, I don't
2: cook. So true, Um, Yeah. And it's like no, that's wrong. We, <laughs> you know,
1: of course you can. If you can eat, you can cook. Yeah.
2: Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah.
2: Um, and there's there's actually two books in our collection. This kind of reminds me of in that it's a beautiful cookbook that concentrates on. Techniques and balancing. Um, one book, Carla Lally Musics, Where Cooking Begins.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Carla talks a lot about uh, just cooking techniques and introduces you to things like pan roasting and just mm. gives you this idea that that once you know these techniques, then the ingredients don't so much matter. It's, it's about you just balancing flavours and then using these techniques to to get them to a a very satisfying texture. And um, another great title for, I suppose, planning out bigger meals is the new one by Skye McAlpine. She's put out a book called A Table for Friends, The Art of Cooking for Two or Mm Twenty. And that just talks about meal planning and balancing different dishes.
6: um, Oh, wow, yeah. yeah
1: to make a complete dinner party kind of thing. Wonderful, thanks, Lee. Uh, so that was Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat that we spoke about today by Sam Nosrat. Um, we have it in the library, obviously. And thanks for listening.
4: Thank you. Hi, my name's Emma and I'm from the Greater Dandenong Libraries Programs team. I'm here to let you know about some of the exciting programs coming up in our library branches and online. The April school holidays will see some fun programs for kids of all ages, including manga drawing workshops, circus skills workshops, robotics, hip-hop dancing and a performance from Mr. Snotbottom. Libraries After Dark, happening in both Springvale and Dandenong Libraries each Thursday night, has some fantastic workshops coming up including mindful crafting, movie nights, trivia and games nights. Our language and literacy sessions have returned, so if you need assistance with writing resumes, job applications, filling in government forms or applying for citizenship, we can support you. If you're keen to find out more about our new titles or get a book recommendation, why not come along to our monthly Reading Circle group. It's a book club with no set books delivered by our librarians. For more information, please visit the library website or contact our library team. And we hope to see you in the library soon.
1: And now Susie recommends titles to a patron wanting to find their next read.
4: Hi everyone, I'm
5: Robin and I'm here with one of our information librarians, Susie. Welcome, Susie. Thanks for having me. And we're going to check out one of the book match requests we've received from a patron and get some personalized reading suggestions. Now, this person has told us they like suspense, thriller, fantasy, adventure, crime, and mystery genres. So quite a variety there. And I can see they had no interest in graphic novels, horror, true crime or westerns. What would you suggest for this reader, Susie?
7: Yeah, so for the fantasy genre, I would suggest The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood. This fantasy book is the debut novel by A.K. Larkwood and follows the journey of Sorway. She was raised by a death cult steeped in old magic. And on her 14th birthday, she'll be sacrificed to their god, But as she waits for the end, she's offered a chance to escape her fate. A sorcerer wants her as his assistant, sword hand and assassin. As this involves her not dying that day, she accepts. Sorway spends years living on a knife edge, helping her master hunt an artefact which could change many worlds. Then comes the day she's been dreading. They encounter Sorway's old cult, seeking the same artefact, and Sorway is forced to reckon with her past. If she's to survive, Soway must dodge her enemies, claim the artefact and stop the death
5: cult once and for all. Mm, Sounds great. And what about crime, mystery and thriller?
7: Yes, I have a couple of suggestions for these genres. The first one is a powerful real-life thriller about Black Saturday. The book is The Arsonist by Chloe Hooper. Mm. So the story begins on the scorching February day in 2009 that became known as Black Saturday. A man lit two fires in the Victoria's Latrobe Valley and then sat on the roof of his house to watch the inferno. In the valley, where the rates of crime were the highest in the state, more than 30 people were known to police as firebugs, but the detectives soon found themselves on the trail of a man they didn't know. So the arsonist takes readers on the hunt for this man and inside the strange puzzle of his mind. It is also the story of fire in this country and of a community that owed his, owed his existence to that very element.
5: Mm, it sounds fascinating. And even though it deals with real-life events, the way it's written uh, sounds like a psychological thriller.
7: Yeah. Um, and next up, we have The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. So this story begins during the Christmas break when a group of 30-something friends from Oxford meet to welcome in the new year together, a tradition that they began as students 10 years ago. For this vacation, they've chosen an idyllic and isolated estate in the Scottish Highlands, the perfect place to get away and unwind by themselves. They arrive on the 30th of December, just before a historic blizzard seals the lodge off from the outside world. The trip began innocently enough, admiring the stunning, if foreboding scenery, champagne in front of a crackling fire and reminiscences about the past. But after a decade, the weight of secret resentments has grown too heavy for the group's tenuous nostalgia to bear. Now one of them is dead and another one of them did it.
5: Ooh, sounds like a classic mystery whodunit. Yeah, it
7: sure is. Um, And lastly, I recommend The Nowhere Child by Christian White. Mm. This follows the story of Melbourne photographer teacher Kim Leamy, who is approached by a stranger investigating the disappearance of a little girl named Sammy from her Kentucky home 28 years earlier. He believes Kim is that girl. At first, she brushes it off, but when Kim scratches the surface of her family history in Australia, questions arise that aren't easily answered. To find the truth, she must travel to Sammy's home of Manson, Kentucky, and into a dark past. As the mystery of Sammy's disappearance unravels and the town's secrets are revealed, this superb novel builds towards an electrifying end.
5: Mm, Yeah, I love The Nowhere Child. Um, I thought it was very cleverly done and the ending is quite surprising too. Yeah, it's a good one. And Um, finally, what about something with a bit of adventure? Yeah,
7: so an adventure fantasy book I recommend is Talon by Julie Kagua. This is the first in the Talon saga, which has five novels in total. So it's set in a world long ago where dragons were hunted to near extinction by the Order of St. George, who were a legendary society of dragon slayers. The dragons hide in human form and they begin growing their numbers in secret. The dragons of Talon have become strong and cunning and they're positioned to take over the world with humans being none the wiser. Ember and Dante Hill are trained to infiltrate society. However, Ember wants to live the teen experience and join us enjoy a summer of freedom before taking her destined place in Talon. As Ember struggles to accept her future, she and her brother are hunted by the Order of St George.
5: Mm, Sounds fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your recommendation, Susie. I'm sure our patron will love trying out all of those suggestions. No problem. Thanks, Robin. You can find details of all the suggested titles in the episode show notes and also find the link to the bookmatch form to request your own personalised reading suggestion list and one of our librarians, like Susie, will create a list just for you.
2: Coming up now, Trent interviews our new children and youth services librarian, Sarah.
0: Hi, everybody. We have Sarah, our new Children's Youth Services Librarian, here with an interview. Going to ask her some questions and she'll give some amazing answers, I'm sure. Um, So first things, Sarah, thank you very much for agreeing to do this interview with us.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: And I guess we're going to find out a little bit more about you and welcome to working at Greater Danilong Libraries as well.
8: Thanks, Frank. It's been wonderful so
0: far. (laughs) So I guess the first thing is, um, tell us a little bit about your um, own professional background.
8: Sure. So I've been working in libraries for over 10 years now and I've done a few different jobs. Um, My previous role was also in children and youth services. It looked a little bit different, though. I did a lot more of that face-to-face program delivery. Um, so I do have a lot of experience doing story times, doing all sorts of other programs. Um, and that's kind of the stuff that I really enjoy. It's the, it's the fun part of my day. Um, and currently my role has a whole bunch of different facets. One of the things that I do is oversee the children and young adult collections, which is very enjoyable. Um, and I also get to work on programs, so both in-house and outreach programs. I get to go out to school sometimes. Um, and I get to do a lot of the front of house stuff, so I'm just here on the floor. If, if, you can't, if you're going past the library, you can come say hi.
0: Maybe we can suggest some books as well. Absolutely, my pleasure. Get some stuff for the kids. If you've got any teenagers, get them to come along and give us some ideas.
8: That's, yeah, that's the stuff that I love personally, so
0: anytime. Awesome. And I guess going off of that, um, what made you want to get into Children and Youth Services in the first place?
8: Honestly. Honestly, I didn't want to get into children's new services initially. I was actually really scared of the thought. So, I usually children's new services roles in uh, involve doing delivering story time or that kind of stuff where you're performing and you're doing a lot of that face to face stuff. And I was really scared when I was fresh out of library school. I was way too scared to do that. But I kind of had a bit of a push into that space, and um, yeah. And somehow that actually ended up being my favorite part of the job. So um, it was kind of not necessarily a very willing children's services (laughs) librarian to begin with. (laughs) But, yeah, it's like the best job ever now. Like I would – I think anybody who's kind of like a a little bit shy or afraid of the – the public speaking or performance part, or like my singing voice isn't great, so I don't want to do it. Like <laughs> yes. honestly, that's not a thing. No, you know? it's not. You, once you get past that, the discomfort of it, it's actually so much fun.
0: Uh, definitely, so, my experience of doing story times and such, I can appreciate that. It's like, oh, maybe my voice isn't that good, but no, nah, they don't care. Kids don't it. care. Kids they enjoy don't it. Care.
8: And it's not the point. You know, we're not here to be <clears throat> professional singers exactly you know, at the end of the day we're, we're here we're, we're modelling behaviour really we're kind of leading a group and we're showing people to follow along with what we're doing and yeah, you know give,
0: give parents those skills to mm-hmm. help their kids have a lifelong love of learning as exactly. we like to say these days
8: exactly right so. very important yeah, we do that. Those like really basic early literacy skills. anyone can do that. It's so and it's so much fun. Like it's just such a. And you know we've missed it in the past year, haven't we?
0: Oh, very much so. Oh, well, I just did my first story time today as as this recording. And it was fabulous. <laughs> oh, it was amazing getting back into it. I've missed it so much.
8: <laughs> Absolutely, but you know, like honestly, my favorite part of the job is working with children and young people and their families. Like that's yep. that's why we do this,
0: right? How many years have you been doing this?
8: So children's services, um, six years. Wow. This is my seventh year. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. Time flies, you oh, know. <laughs> it really does.
0: It's fantastic. Yeah.
8: It's great, and you get to kind of, especially when you do it, delivering a lot of the early years programs. You get to know people so well. You meet someone and their child, and their child might be, you know, a newborn, and. Mm-hmm. Next minute, they're in primary school and then on to, you know, it's, yeah, it's oh, amazing. Getting
0: married and having their own kids exactly and bringing them right. to story time. <laughs> it's
8: the cycle.
0: Oh, and that's a wonderful thing to experience. It sure is. Makes you a little old, but, you know, that's <laughs> offset very much by the joy it brings you. It's, it's
8: <laughs> worth it. It's
0: absolutely worth it. I guess they're going off of good stuff Mm. what might be some of the challenges that these roles have given you whether in the past or Mm -hmm. coming here now with us yeah
8: well to be honest with you probably the biggest challenge is like the obvious one which is covid this this past year has just been full of challenges so trying to do all the wonderful things that we do and adapt them to a like socially distant or online environment that's been such a big challenge um, so with the program stuff that's had its own challenges and then even with with the collections it's, it was actually pretty easy to tr- transition with like our ebooks and audiobooks and that sort of thing that was great we got more usage you know mm. people people well, were at home you can, you can download those, yeah. stuff yeah mm-hmm. it's awesome but um it, it was tricky even with getting books in because so many supply lines were cut off and you know publishers just weren't publishing because you physically couldn't do it especially um locally or wherever there were lockdowns so you know those have been the biggest challenges um probably predating covid though like prior prior to this i'd say the biggest challenge in my space in terms of the collections has been um challenges around curating a diverse collection so, yeah, yeah. especially if we're looking at Australian content, especially if we're looking at Australian publishers, to be able to find you know local and relevant content that's own voices. So, own voices basically means that it's written, um, it's written or it's created by creators who are speaking authentically to their experience. Whether that's like, you know, their their experience as a person of color, their experience as a disabled person, etc. Yeah so it's it's tricky to find books like that in Australia and I think it's becoming less um, less difficult, which is that's great. That's good. Oh, yeah. good. I thought you were going yeah.
0: to say less. No, less, no, no. Less of the publishers are doing that. Though. No, that's a good thing opposite,
8: opposite, opposite, opposite. <laughs> it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. But honestly, in Australia, we're a bit behind. We're a bit behind the game compared to some other places. Actually, I
0: guess that's a good point. Maybe I can bring up and plug this here. We've I've just recently noticed we've got a Hindi collection of, of graphic novels. Like, did you ever yeah. get those? I,
8: no, I just saw them two days ago as well. They've oh, just wow. appeared.
0: Yeah, it's like wonderful. Gen- novels. Yeah. I novels mean, in Hindi. And I yep. was like, some of them were in English and mm. some of them were clearly in... Is it Sanskrit? Is that the language? Oh, no. the, the The script? I
8: think <laughs> Hindi is the language, and maybe that's the name I think, of the
0: script, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure, sure but yeah. I might be wrong. <laughs> I apologise profusely. Hopefully, maybe it's taken out. We could do some research <laughs> on that one.
8: Um, yeah, look, it's... In terms of, yeah, Australian publishers, we have some challenges. They're, like, the only publisher I can think of that comes to mind that has done amazing work is an Australian publisher called Magabala Books, mm. and um, they're Australia's leading Indigenous publishing house. In fact, they're the only one that I'm aware of. There might be others that um, aren't as prominent, and they, they do amazing work. But that's that's the kind of minority we don't have so much stuff available in that space, Um, and that's probably one of our biggest challenges.
0: Yes, and I guess also with Greater Danilong being one of the most diverse communities in the country, it's just going to increase that challenge. Yep, absolutely. It's it's always something good to do, though. the fulfilling nature of that work.
8: That's right, and I think, you know, as, as time goes on, publishers kind of do tend to understand the value of that work, so it's like overcoming all the barriers to ensure that we can create or or you know, curate a collection that is relevant to our community yep. and that represents our community. You know, that's that's the kind of the core of what I what I want to accomplish here.
0: Oh wow, that sounds like you got your work cut out for oh, you. Oh absolutely. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun having you here. Thanks, Trent. We're going to Take on all the ideas and hopefully we don't explode your brain. <laughs> oh it's it's fun.
8: It's it's okay to explode a little bit.
0: <laughs> Share these ideas, that's what it's all about here. <laughs> Um, i guess some more lighthearted questions you can have a bit of fun yeah. as wrapping it up. Um, what sort of books do you actually like to read? And what are, you th- what are the things you're reading at the moment? Oh, if gosh, anything, yeah. if you have the time for it, I guess. Yeah, I no, right?
8: Um, okay, so I love to read, reflect like, just anything, really. I'm, I'm pretty um, open-minded to what... And, I, in fact, I try to read as widely as I can because it's easy to kind of, like, really get into a niche. Um, traditionally, I think I've read a lot of young adult young adult fiction is probably my space that I'm the most knowledgeable about just because that's that's the area where I've kind of done a lot of the buying and so that's just where I read a lot um and I love it it's fantastic but yeah, I try to read a bit of everything. I'll, I'll try do, to do a bit of non fiction. I do, will always tend to read the picture books no matter what, I oh, think. Of course. <laughs> once a children's librarian, you know. Um, I not know,
0: but it's good to see what the kids are reading. It's yeah, nice.
8: for sure. And there's so much good stuff. And that's one space where, you know, Australian publishers do amazing work as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I'm currently reading, I'm currently reading uh, the last book in the Ember in the. Ashes I think yeah Ember in the Ashes series by Saba Tahir, and that book is called A Sky Beyond the Storm. So I'm listening to the audiobook actually. I i have yeah,
0: which is, is that part of a series?
8: Yes, so it's book four in a series. It's the final. It's the final book oh, in this wow. series. What's the
0: first volume
8: called? The first one is called An Ember in the Ashes. Ah, so okay. that's the name of the series as well. Yep. And they're really good there. So it's kind of like a fantasy, it's kind of based on like Roman history a little bit, but yep. it's got all sorts of other influences. It's very fascinating. And it's really well written. It's really fun. It's fast paced. It's emotional. Yeah, it's great. I would really recommend this series, honestly. Oh, I have a good
0: fantasy. I might have to look into that one myself. Yeah.
8: I'll be surprised if this one isn't adapted, to be honest, to into is a film good? or a television show. Yeah, yeah, I think so. TV.
0: TV's always better, yeah,
8: generally. Yeah, I agree. I think TV adaptations are usually better, right?
0: <laughs> we'll forget about Game of Thrones and its ending. Yeah. that I have watched Oh, them. please don't. <laughs> please don't. And I guess, lastly, um, as the if it's a guilty pleasure, no, I think that this is quite appropriate. What's your favourite children's book? Or oh. books? I guess you can have five or ten. Oh, gosh.
8: I can't limit it to one.
0: No, of course not. no with the size. You can't,
8: I don't know. You can't ask the children's over to limit it to one as well, you
3: know.
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's really hard. To be honest, I don't think there's any shame or guilt around reading children's fiction. I think that all adults should read children's fiction. In I fact... Agree. In fact, honestly, if you watch television and movies, you are probably watching adapted children's fiction. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, this is true. Yeah, it's... A lot of the most popular stuff on television and film is adapted from usually teenage fiction, young mm-hmm. adult fiction. Um, and I would really make a strong case for adults reading Australian YA. So that's another space where there is... So we have some really brilliant literary authors that write in that space. And, like local authors like Melbourne based authors you know like we have we have some incredible and I'm gonna name a few authors if you're out there and you're looking for someone to read just a few to to look at Amberlyn Quay Molina she's one of my favorites she writes picture books she writes young adult fiction she kind of writes a bit of nonfiction now I think as well Mm -hmm. also Alice Pung Alice Pung is amazing so she wrote Lorinda um and that book was just like whoa that, that book is literary and it's in young adult and I would recommend it to any adult to be honest. That's amazing. We've got, oh my god, Maxine Beneba Clark, Rebecca Lim, Melina Marquetta. Melina Marquetta wrote one of the, probably like, the books that everyone knows, Looking for Ali Brandy. Yep. Everyone's seen the movie or read the is book. Is that on the VCE? Probably, like yes. Yes, like that. indeed it is. Um, she also wrote, and not many people know this, she wrote a fantasy series and it is brilliant like it is truly brilliant it's like really beautiful really empathetic human story like it's incredible we've got like such talent in Australia
0: have to keep an eye out for that one for Mm. sure
8: I highly 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 recommend it and you know obviously I love picture books cool So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much stuff. If I'm going to give you one picture book recommendation, I will probably go. It's a recent release by Amy McGuire. Mm -hmm. I think it's her first book that I've seen anyway, um, and it's called Daybreak. Highly recommend that one.
0: Beautiful picture book. What sort of age would you rate that at?
8: Um, It's kind of, I'd say, three to five-year-old, but, you know, obviously with picture books, we'd recommend any parent to read it to their child at any age, Mm -hmm. and... Especially with the little ones, you know, you can... You can Not
0: just parents, maybe also some big children that are out there. Absolutely, big kids. Picture books are the way to go. It's a bit like Tan stuff. That That's right. I would recommend that for all ages. Absolutely. Especially the rabbits. So good. <laughs> well, I think we're getting to our end here. Thank you so much for coming along again, Sarah.
8: Thank you, Trent. It's
0: been amazing. I'd be going to ask you some questions. And I hope you all enjoyed that. This is Trent. We'll see you next time.
2: Coming up now, we have two reviews from staff members, Fiona and Lauren.
9: What happens when everything in the world with a Y chromosome suddenly and violently dies? Why the Last Man by Brian Vaughan tells the story of Yorick Brown, a kind but lazy wannabe escape artist, and his capuchin monkey, Amber Sand, in the societal collapse that follows the death of half of all life on the planet. But what happened? Why was he spared? How will he survive in the new version of humanity, aware of its fast approaching extinction? Full of interesting characters, including the militant daughters of the Amazon, a ninja and the mysterious Agent 355, Yorick finds himself in the centre of conspiracy theories, doomsday predictions and murder attempts, all while trying to solve the mystery of the end of the world. I enjoyed this comic immensely when it was first published. The setting was unique, the characters relatable. Anyone who is interested in the collapse of society, new world orders, world-spanning mysteries and themes about being alone and an outsider will enjoy it too. It has an excellent and realistic art style and is a mainstay of must-read comic lists. I recommend it for anyone who enjoyed The Boys, Preacher, Saga, Invincible or Ex Machina.
6: My name is Fiona and I've just finished watching Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley is a 2017 historical romance drama film set in the early 1800s England, with Elle Fanning playing the title role. It tells the story of 16-year-old Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, who writes passionately to try and find her own voice. Mary meets famous poet Percy Shelley, and they begin a love affair that breaks the boundaries of polite society. At 16, Mary elopes with Shelley, bringing her sister with her to London. She becomes pregnant and has the argument with Percy throughout the story of what constitutes a true marriage, whether it involves extramarital affairs. Mary is adamant that her commitment is solely to Percy and they remain together, even though they lose their child. In an infamous meeting, Mary, Percy and Mary's sister join the poet Lord Byron, who is outrageous and flamboyant, and they spend several days together at Byron's Geneva house, intoxicated with wine, love and poetry. On a wild, rainy, thundery night, Byron sets in the task of a competition of who can write the best ghost story. It is here that Mary finds the inspiration for her classic novel, Frankenstein. She is influenced by the theatrical process she sees of galvanization, or bringing a dead body back to life through electricity. She finishes the classic story and proves that she is a woman capable of experiencing love, betrayal and loss. Her outstanding work of fiction is endorsed and published by her father and by Percy. Percy and Mary's marriage continues until Percy's death age 29. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or modern Prometheus goes down in history as one of the first gothic science fiction which will influence writers for many years to come. If you like stirring historical dramas about love and literature, you will love Mary Shelley as I did. This DVD is available from CGD Libraries.
1: Thanks for listening. You can check out the show notes for more information on all the items being mentioned in the podcast. And you can place holds on them via the Libraries Victoria app or at our website, greaterdandenong.vic.gov.au.